This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club and this is your show. After Manchester City got the job done against Newcastle at the weekend, I was promising myself that I wouldn't fall into the trap of watching Arsenal and tricking myself into thinking Bournemouth would get something. But when I was walking through town and heard they were 2-0 behind, I fell headfirst into that trap and actually spent Saturday night feeling a little disappointed at the outcome. Crazy, given how much of the season is still left to play, but I guess that shows where the stakes are at. Anyway, welcome to today's Blue Moon podcast, where we'll be reviewing City's 2-0 victory over Newcastle. Foden's back on form, Edison's got his 100th clean sheet, but De Bruyne seems to be struggling. We'll get into to all of that shortly. We're also talking super subs on this week's show as well. Bernardo's goal against Newcastle is the 13th that a player has scored within three minutes of coming off the bench under Guardiola. So we've put City statman Adam Carter on the case, looking at the other 12. And just when you thought we couldn't go too deeply into the minuscule details of City's tactics, we'll hear from Tifo Football's John McKenzie on why we see centre-backs taking short goal kicks to Edison instead of the other way round. Don't ever say that we don't pay attention to the little details here. There's Palace and Leipzig to come, so we'll look ahead to those matches later on in the programme as well. I'm David Mooney, and for this week's show i'm joined by the manchester evening news chief city writer simon bykowski hello and city fan gaz hi you're right not too bad thanks gaz simon you well yes very well always nice to be on yeah good it's uh, it's been a while actually i think first time this year for you it's uh it's been the other side of christmas i think uh yes yeah i i, I had noticed i didn't want to say anything yeah but... yeah well it's everything <laughs> everything's all right i thought it thought we'd let things get a little bit a little better performance wise before we brought you back so people uh... always tell me i'm better in small Small. Uh, <laughs> what's the word? So this bursts. is why I'm not on. I, I can't <laughs> vocalise my thoughts. Doses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Small bursts. Small doses. One of those things. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. Um, let's talk Newcastle then, because uh, Gaz. I mean, my first question for the show is: uh, Did City control it well, or did they get away with it, or both? I think. Um, I think controlling it well is probably the best way to put it. I think in the first half they were definitely the better team. Um, I think going in one 0 was the right result at half time, but. Uh, you got the impression that if it was going to be a second, it had been City. Um, then they did have a good spell, didn't they, and come into it, um, uh, during which we scored. So we, we got the second goal at, at exactly the right time, just as they were coming into it, I suppose. I mean, it would have been yeah. interesting to see what happened if if we didn't score when we did. But um, interesting. No, I don't, I don't we, think interested. We I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure I'd be that interested in how it would have gone. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong word. Yeah, dispiriting probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, yeah. So I think I think I controls the right way to put it. it was an assured performance, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Simon, how how does that performance sit in the context of the last few weeks? Because I'm conscious that after the World Cup, City City really had a dip, and it's really hard to tell when you're coming out of an inconsistent spell because you don't know when it's over. So, like, like how did how how do you think the Newcastle performance sat against what's happened in the weeks before? Yeah, there were a few kind of mixed reviews about the performance. I very much enjoyed it. Um, I thought that is kind of how you want City to be playing. I thought there was a lot of good stuff, continuation of the stuff that they've been doing in kind of the last six, seven games since they lost to Tottenham, uh, which was kind of very limp and labour. That, that that was the thing. Like, it wasn't perfect performance from City, but it at least kind of felt alive and like they were trying. Um, and, yeah, it was... I, I, I kind of think as well you've got to put it in the context of say you know Newcastle were really knocking on the door around about the hour mark um and then City scored rather than Newcastle scored and obviously what was it two weeks ago at Nottingham Forest um City should have won 6-0 and instead they drew one all so that kind of has to be considered progress that they um 
they sort of turned a, a, a potentially dangerous situation into getting more more control of the game. So yeah, a, a very very positive uh, five weeks for me for City. Yeah, um, I, I want to start weirdly with a game that City have won quite comprehensively. Like, so I want to start with the defence uh, because Gaz he, he picked the, the what I call the defending defenders, um, the sort of defenders that you kind of go in and get the job done, but maybe hamper City in possession a little bit. Um, how do you think they did? Yeah, um, well, well, clean sheet. I mean, um, QED. I think. Yeah, I, I always get that impression that like, I think Diaz is our best defender in terms of defending. Um, but it's it's almost like he's not in our best team, so I, I feel like he's like you know when, whenever the team's not as not as assured as it could be, or just isn't in that the proper group, it looks like like you say we might be might be getting into that back into that game. I think Diaz is always the best option to include, and then it's almost as if like once once we're in a rhythm, we kind of outgrow him a bit, and then like it would make more sense to have like a Stones Laporte type partnership who are just a bit more you know progressive on the ball and such. But uh, while we're in a rut, I think he's definitely the person to bring in. Um, and uh, you know, stop any stop anything daft happening, basically. Yeah, Simon. He um, the number of times where he just kind of steamed up the pitch and went, "No, you ain't coming through." There was one moment in the, and I think it was in the second half where I, I mean, he hit the ball at the same time as the Newcastle player, and the Newcastle <laughs> player kind of almost went out of play at the other end. Yeah, yeah. He he just has this sort of tremendous impact on kind of everyone around him and and the opposition, and opposition players attack. yeah um and it's funny with Diaz because he, he's he's probably kind of when everyone's fit and firing he, he's maybe more limited than other players but he does kind of bring these old-fashioned qualities of um just like loving defending and like really making sure um you know, nobody is coming past him, whatever happens. And you, you've kind of got to be careful about like making too much of these intangible qualities and like appearing a bit gammony. Um, <laughs> be, like, you know, like, oh, why aren't they getting a yellow card? Um, and and things like that. But it, like, it, it's kind of undeniable when you watch Diaz that he, he does just have those that quality. qualities yeah. that like the best centre-backs in the league down the years have had. Um, that is just no nonsense. Um, I am doing everything possible to to keep a clean sheet, and and you know the way he, like congratulates and roars on his teammates whenever they make a challenge as well. Um, it, it, it's pretty infectious. Yeah, I wondered if the three all earlier in the season, Gaz, basically affected Guardiola's thinking for this one, and and, dis- and he decided basically we're going to put in the defenders who are going to stop them doing that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose on the other side as well, they did, didn't they? I mean, it's, it's such a different match to that. Um, it's, it's almost as if they decided, you know, they didn't want a, you know, a game which was so, so out of control themselves. Um, so the, so they, they, they just did as well. Yeah. Um, just looking at the other faces around the back four, Gaz. Um, I mean, Ake, there was a couple of amazing blocks from him and it kind of cemented what he's been doing this season. How he's, he's almost quietly gone about his business. Even though we're all talking about how good he's been, he's kind of quietly built himself into City's best eleven. Yeah, and I think what's most impressive about that is how he does it at centre centre half and at left back. You know, he's, he's impressed in both positions. Uh, got a few goals as well, um, and yeah, just been just just been absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think uh, you know if 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 you were to do a sort of more considered rather than the obvious choice for player of the season, I think you'd be struggling to think of a better shout than him. Yeah. Um, just on the on the flip side as well, uh, Simon, Akanji's had a little bit of criticism lately, but, uh, you know, a few errors in, in a few previous games. I thought he looked pretty good at the weekend. Yeah, 
<laughs> talking about not being able to um, sort of describe people fully and why I don't appear on more podcasts. Uh, a kanji is just someone who is almost impossible to nail down. Um, I, I kind of think with a kanji that you you never really say a kanji's been great on his own. They always tend to be as a pair, um, yeah. which isn't to say that he's not had really good games as a pair. Um, he just kind of sort of almost needs his partner for you to be able to say, yeah, Kanji's done well. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there must be a reason that, that Guardiola keeps keeps picking him. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd place him at the level of Ake and Diaz at the minute. Um, but he's still, you know, got, got plenty to offer. And yeah, he made a few important uh, important blocks in that in that Newcastle game. Yeah. I, I think, I think the, the thing with a Kanji is he's not the best at anything, um, which isn't necessarily a criticism of him because. Bit of an all rounder sort at, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He is the all rounder, but you know, he's not got Laporte's passing. He's not got Diaz's no nonsense stuff. He's not got Ake's kind of creativity and aerial ability. Um, and he's not got Stones's sort of calm on the ball. So, is, you know, he, when, is, he, when, is he not the fastest one, though? I think that's probably why he's probably a good foil for Diaz, isn't he? Because I guess he's yeah. going to cover him behind for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I just kind of forget that because they've got Walker, I suppose. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he might be. And he is the best at maths, so there we are. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you need not in this situation where Pellegrini can't work out if we need a goal or not anymore, Akanji's <laughs> on the case now. Yeah, um, just in in terms of uh, going forward, then Gaz, uh, Phil Foden uh, obviously got the opening goal with the aid of a deflection, but it was uh, it, it was caused by his driving run. Um, how important has has been getting him fit uh, been for, uh, for for City's performances lately? Um, sorry, just, just thinking about um, that Bayern Munich game when we didn't know any goal we needed to score. That, 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 that would never, never happen again, would it? With a pick. Um, no, but, uh, Foden, I'll, yeah, he's just been yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. I really, really hope this is the... And it seems to be as well, the, the start of like a run now towards the end of the season where we can sort of ride in his coattails a bit. Um, I kind of like that new position on the right for him. Really suits him. And I think he's sort of like still get all the benefits of him stretching the play because like, he's, he's disciplined, like he doesn't come in all the time, does he? He properly holds his position out there and stretches the pitch. But then when he does get the opportunity to come inside, it's you know it's pretty devastating, as you can see. First of all. Yeah. Um, is there a reason why you just repeated the uh, Bayern Munich joke, just out of interest? <laughs> <laughs> Did someone make it? Or was, 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 that when, was that when I dropped off? No, I said it, and then you just said it again. Like, oh, you, did I? Didn't I? Think, yeah. <laughs> It's so good a joke, it, it needed saying twice. It just needed oh dear, re- I, I like that we're on the same wavelength. I just thought it was a bit odd <laughs> that, that, that we got it twice, but you know, here sorry, we are. I think there might have some interference in the feed, or I was just probably just too keen to say it. So yeah, <laughs> lose it in the cup. Yeah, uh, Simon, um, just on Foden, you uh, you spoke to him in the mix zone. Um, one of the things he was saying in that was uh, about how he prefers playing on the right, and I thought that was quite interesting. Um, what, what, what I just you... said that about him playing on the right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that's 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 what I was building on. Now, I mean, we'll make the Bayern Munich joke again in a minute. Um, what 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 did you make of what he had to say there? Um, yeah, I thought well, he, he had a lot to say first, which is um, very unlike Foden. Um, you know, we rarely get to speak to him in the mix zone, so it was it was nice, um, not nice to speak to him. Um, I, I kind of get why. He prefers playing on 
on the right, um, but equally he um, made playing on the left look very, very easily, very, very easy against Bristol City um, a few days earlier. Uh, and also he's still kind of pitching one day tomorrow to uh, to play in the middle. So I think, you know, the thing with Foden is everyone is kind of agreed on that he is so good he can play wherever. And that has sometimes been to the to the detriment of his um, career. Uh, you know, he kind of became a, a wide forward because City didn't have an attacking threat when they didn't have a number nine. And it's kind of stayed there because he's been so good at it. Um, I think he'd have been tried earlier in the middle if he, if he hadn't been so effective out wide. Um, but he is so effective out wide. And, and the thing is, um, you know, when you see him uh, give the Bristol City right back like a horrible time and you're like well it is just Bristol City but then he's that good he can do it to anyone and uh, he did it to Dan Byrne on Saturday and you know he can do it to any team in the world I, I was kind of impressed with his you know maturity around his his injury as well that he's he's continuing to manage um well, Which, I was going to ask about this because he he did say in that interview as well that he felt pain again, and I must admit I winced a little bit when I heard that. Yeah, yeah, and you know I I kind of took it that like you know he wouldn't be there speaking to us if he's going to going to be out for four weeks. Um, but um, he, he basically it's an injury that um, cannot be easily solved. It just comes back when you're not expecting it. Um, and you know if you're going to keep playing football, then it, it, it probably going to happen more often than if not. But City have had a week off. You know, I think if they'd have had a midweek game, it might have been more of an issue, but I'd, I'd expect him to be um, available for for Palace, although whether he's rested with Leipzig in mind, that might be um, something to do. Yeah. Um, just get on Foden as well, Gaz. How how does having him on the right instead of Mares change City's performance for you? Because I, I always think City look a lot wider with Foden there rather than, than Mares. Maybe. Um, I don't think they're too dissimilar, are they, when they play there? I mean, maybe, I think Mahrez has probably got a bit more in the um, sort of habit of sort of linking up with, uh, sort of walk behind him, sort of checking, you know, checking back and, and, and then sort of, um, you know, like I say, holding it up and then you know, knocking it inside and then going for another run, while that's Foden probably seems a bit more inclined just to, just to carry it himself. But, um, I don't think it's made much of a difference in terms of style. It's probably more in case of the fact that Mahrez is probably, you know, he had some good form earlier in the season. That's waning slightly now. So, so it's you know, it's it's Foden's turn now, given the fact that he's coming into a bit of form. Does it does feel really harsh on Mahrez, given how he's played lately? That uh, he can't get in the team at the moment because of uh, yeah. Foden and Grealish. Like I said, I mean, it did seem to. I mean, I'm a, I really like Mars, but I think it did seem to wane slightly. So that's the reason why uh, probably he's, he's sort of lost his place. But yeah, he was he was fantastic on the year. Yeah, um, Simon Rodri is. Uh, I mean, he's a phenomenon, and I, I you forget when he's not there just what he can do. And I thought against Newcastle, I mean, Foden got man of the match, and I understand why. Uh, but I thought it should have been Rodri all day long. Well, I thought it should have been Diaz all day long. So there. <laughs> Um, Fine. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, Rodri is sort of just unbelievably good, really, and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Um, if you sort of see how quickly he's been supplanted in public perception as the best, well, has he ever been seen as the best holding Pro- midfielder in the probably league? Probably not. No. Um, well, that 
you know, kind of tells you everything. Um, so sounds like an agenda to me. It does, yeah. Um, I mean, I I think back to when they lost at Spurs and I could not believe what I was seeing from him where he was so, so bad. Um, and not just like 19, 20 bad when people get running past him, but like every ball he played just went straight into touch um, or, or to a Tottenham player. And, uh, and I thought, Christ, like if Calvin Phillips is to be anything at City, he'll come on at half-time. Uh, and he didn't, and it seemed a real problem. And then ever since, Rodri's just gone like, yeah, you know what, that was a one-off. Um, I'm just going to be amazing from now on. <laughs> and yeah, he, he's so important because you have kind of like Gundogan and Bernardo and a fullback kind of supporting him when when he's necessary. But he's just, um, you know, over the last few years, he, his reading of the, the game has improved so much that he kind of doesn't need to make tackles because he's intercepting before... Um, the opposition are getting the ball. Gaz, I mean, the other side of uh, of Rodri is just his ability to keep it under pressure is really noticeable. There were times on, on Saturday where he would almost like draw three Newcastle players in and just t- like he'd somehow turn around and then suddenly have two or three passes on for him because of the way that he'd, he'd just manoeuvred the ball. Um, his ability to keep it under pressure is huge for City. Yeah, there's that. I mean, I mean, when you speak to fans of other teams who, who what, you know, watch I see that that's often what they'll say. He's like, I didn't realise, you know, what you have to sort of see it in the flesh, don't you? That that, that kind of uh, ability which he has. Um, I think as well, though, like I think he's just not. It's, you, you can't even judge him as, as being a sort of holding player because he does loads in the other half as well. You know, I mean, if, if when the other teams sort of like come back, he'll trot another twenty, thirty yards up the pitch and run the game from, you know, the, deep in their half. He's not what you'd call a. Anchorman, and I think the amount of goals he gets as well sort of pays testament to that. You know, he's he's a he's, he plays at the back of City's midfield, but he's but he's in terms of his contribution, he, he probably contributes more than any other midfielder in the league. Yeah, I, I think Rodri could contribute in Anchorman as well. I think he'd look quite good alongside. Will <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not seen it. I've, I couldn't. I can't laugh along oh, with that joke. I've never seen it. Oh. I don't believe you. I honestly <laughs> never seen it. Man City go. super fan Will Ferrell will not be happy with you. <laughs> yeah, get him, I'll, we'll get him. If he, come, if he comes on the show, I'll watch it. There we go. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds like a deal to me. Uh, let's talk Kevin De Bruyne, guys, because um, I think it's pretty clear that he's struggling at the moment. Um, what do you make of everything that's going on with him right now? Um, he, he does this, doesn't he? Like, I mean, he, he, I, but he sort of does it on the sly, just sort of has sort of bad games. He, he, he's quite good as well at actually doing something quite often in a game he's playing badly in like which one was it when I'm trying to think of the performance he did when uh recently where he scored one but he was he was he was really bad um Bristol City because, he was terrible first half and then scored yeah so there's um he, he, he can do it um and I think I do wonder though some it, if it's a bit of a function of the team that we picked as well because when he's in a midfield with Rodri and, and Gundogan like He's got a lot less of the sort of number eighting to do, hasn't he? And, it, and it's more of a sort of number tening. So it's, you know, he probably just sort of has it right in his head. Right, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna do the simple things today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the harder stuff. So that might sort of play into it a bit. Yeah. Um. But he's, yeah, he's he's definitely struggling for form. But we've been here before. Uh, I imagine we'll be here again. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, Simon. It's it's hard to judge him based on the numbers purely because that, like, generally he plays badly but still gets assists. So it's like it's really weird to kind of see how it happens. Yeah, yeah. It, when he, it, 
he's he almost sort of plays well when he should have four assists, but no one finishes them. Um, and then, like on you know Saturday, he should have had an assist, but Haaland kind of headed wide from from a few yards. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's hard to get too worried about De Bruyne because you know, like Gas says, he he just does this. I, I feel like he's done it a bit more than than usual this season, but um, he, he his kind of bang average is is still better than most other people's. Very good. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it, it, it's one of those. He, he will continue to play a lot, and if and when he does find form, then uh, people shut up about it. Yeah, he's he's also not untouchable, is he? Like he's got to a point now where you know Pep will take him off if it's not working, you know, or or whatever. So I don't think it's it's less of an issue where maybe if this was happening a couple of years ago, he'd just still get flogged out there because you know he might do something. I think his, his sort of profile's changed a bit differently. Yeah, I mean, he got dropped for the Spurs game after um, poor form, and I mean, he, he was uh, he was taken off on Saturday as well. And I mean, it was I, I kind of noticeable, wasn't it, guys? As soon as Bernardo came on, City had a lot more control of the game. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, it completely. helped that they scored pretty much instantly as well. But yeah. <laughs> and it was him that scored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but obviously, this is what I'm sort of saying is that we, we should, we should, yeah, we, we, he, he, he's still, he's still a fantastic player in the squad, but is he? He's not the the sort of centre of the team uh, in the way in which he was previously. It'd be interesting to see, won't it? Because like he's not how old is he now? Thirty one? Is he thirty two yet? I mean, there will come a point when we do have to start start making a decision as to whether you know th- there will be one of these losses of form, which will be the last loss of form, if you know what I mean. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how we sort of respond to it. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's thirty one. Um, thirty one. Yeah, turns thirty two in June. He's not had the best luck, has he, in terms of injuries and. He acts like he's 54, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like every game is absolutely knackering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's uh, He's been watching me play. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> just on Bernardo, Simon, um, how much of, of his performance? I mean, Guardiola said about uh, he, he helped, what was it? He helped City lengthen their possessions, um, which I guess is the key to regaining control in the game. Um it, it was a, it was a weird situation where I, I I kind of felt if if De Bruyne had stayed on and City had scored that second one anyway at that point I'd have still felt like like they needed something to calm the whole game down. Whereas actually at one nil with Bernardo on, it felt a lot safer already. Yeah, you wonder why you don't make more bloody substitutions, don't you? <laughs> um, I thought we were yeah. done with gammon opinions on this, picture. <laughs> gammon forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I kind of think that. Um, yeah, Bernardo and De Bruyne are obviously very different players. And so you, you kind of know when Bernardo's coming on for him, right? He wants more more control and less kind of risk-taking. Um, and, and Bernardo is a, a player, a, a bit like um, Grealish at the minute, because I feel like Grealish is in a sort of spell of form where he just never loses the ball. It just sticks to his feet. But but Bernardo is another at the minute who you can just give, to the, give the ball to and relax because you know that um whatever happens kind of you're not going to be worse off by the time he he gets rid of it um so yeah it, it's you know it was it was really quite boring when um city were playing so badly for a few months and all the sort of why why are they doing it and it, it's really boring to be like well loads of them are out of form um but you kind of see as more of them come back into form um, that that is kind of a lot of what it was. 
ad-free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Now then, let's talk about Bernardo Silva because he sealed City's win at the weekend just two minutes after coming off the bench against Newcastle. Uh, it's one of the faster goals by a substitute under Pep Guardiola, but it's by no means the quickest. We've put Adam Carter from statcity.co.uk to work to run through Pep subs that have made an instant impact. Bernardo Silva is one of City's most reliable game changers from the bench. He helped us to make our possessions longer. And uh, we, we needed to keep more the ball that was up and down, up and down, a part of his intuition to make our high pressing and intuition to take the balls in the middle. That's Guardiola after the weekend's win over Newcastle. Bernardo's goal, two minutes after coming on, wasn't even his quickest as a sub for City. He's got two faster. The first was against Shakhtar in 2018. Bernardo Silva is uh, being brought on as a replacement for Kevin De Bruyne. Mares. Bernardo Silva. Oh, what sort of an impact is that? That is astonishing. Strolls on and takes the stage. And the second was against Brighton in 2019. Here is Bernardo Silva on the pitch and on the score sheet in the blink of an eye. Well, that didn't take him long, did it? Both of those came within 60 seconds of his introduction and the only other player to score less than a minute after being brought on by Pep is Nolito. He got the equaliser against Everton back in 2016. City drew, but deserved to win. I'm sad for, for my players. They, they, they deserve to win the game. They did absolutely everything to win the game. But football is sometimes beautiful for that reason. So Life is always to try to be fair or unfair. And today... We made absolutely everything. Those four goals are City's quickest by subs under Guardiola, all coming under two minutes from the player's introduction. If we allow for another 60 seconds, then there are nine more strikes to include as instant impacts. Of course, Bernardo has one of those, this one against Burnley in the FA Cup in 2018. Bruyne, doing well to win the ball back. And look at that for a pass. Here is Sane, Pope has gone wandering. City must make it four, and they do. Bernardo Silva this time. Two sub-goals inside three minutes have come this season as well. Riyad Mahrez netted the winner quickly after coming on at Stamford Bridge, and Jack Grealish got the assist. He spoke to Sky about it. I was just speaking to Riyad then inside, and he says to me, he was like, he thought the keeper was going to get it at one point, and so did I when I've crossed it. The first thing, I've put my head down to cross it, and straight away I'm thinking, nah, Erling's got to be somewhere. <laughs> well, obviously, he's, he's be so you're just hitting a space, are you? I'm just hitting because obviously he's always in there, isn't he? And I just says to him, I says, "Where was you in there?" And he says, "He goes because everyone went." He goes, "I pulled back." Um, but yeah, I don't know. I felt like the, the keeper was going to get it at one point. A few weeks later, Grealish himself scored from the bench at Old Trafford. This was him speaking to Amazon about it later in the season. You know, I want to come and affect these big games. Um, you know, last month I obviously scored at Old Trafford to make it one, and I thought that was him. Like. You know, I'm going to get the winner here and then, you know, we, we go and concede too. Um, so it didn't really mean anything, the goal. In previous years, Raheem Sterling was often good for an instant impact too. He scored three minutes after his introduction against West Brom in 2017. Here's Guardiola after that game. Rice again, another goal, seven games, seven goals. For Sterling, is so important, right to the book. I would say they have a big, still a big, big gap to improve. So I would like to tell them, be calm. 
score goal is so important, play good is so important, but still they can do better. They can do better. I don't have doubts about that. Sterling then did it against Everton a year later. Raheem, when he has no time to think in front of the keeper, is always goal. The problem has to think. <laughs> and at the same time, doesn't score goal. Doesn't score goal. But uh, the cross was incredible action from Fernandinho and good finishing. Good header goals when we are not the tallest team in the massive team in the world. And uh, but it's you know it's important to play a few minutes and score a goal for him and for everybody. And Sterling did it once more to make the game safe against Club Bruges in 2021. That was the home game of that group stage, and only a few weeks after the away tie, where Cole Palmer scored within three minutes of coming off the bench. Sterling with Morris making his way into the box. Cole Palmer is arriving too. Is this his moment? It is. Only just on the pitch. And there is his first Champions League goal. And he took it like a seasoned pro. Brilliant finish. Cole has a special quality in front of the box, has this talent that is difficult to find when he has the ball there. Most of the time finishing the net. So his position is the second team, how to play there and winning games there. But uh, in the same time, he's training with us, he's taking the rhythm and our principles. In Guardiola's time at City, there are two more goals scored by players within three minutes of coming on. The first was by Gabriel Jesus at Leicester in 2019. Good run by Mares and Jesus is in here and strikes! Manchester City recover from the blow of the missed penalty and the man who replaced Aguero, Gabriel Jesus, comes up with a big moment! And then, last season, Fernandinho did it against West Ham. Jesus, and still, and Fernandinho! is off the bench to round off a victory. A cool, calm, cultured finish by the substitutes. And that wraps up the three points for Manchester City. That makes a total of 13 goals scored by City players almost immediately after joining the action under Guardiola. And almost half of them have come in the last season and a half. The manager may not make a huge number of subs, but it seems that when he does, it can really pay off. Hi, this is Andy Morrison, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. That was Adam Carter looking at the goals from City's bench under Guardiola. Um, Gaz, there's an argument that Bernardo is uh, Guardiola's best impact sub because four of his goals from the bench have come within, you know, like 90 to 120 seconds of him coming on. Um, he just, he, he does have that quality, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's too much else to sort of say in that regard. Um, just, yeah. In, in, you know, just I suppose like you're very intense player, isn't he? Probably the most intense player in the squad. So you're definitely going to uh, uh, you can definitely sort of see how like you can have sort of an instant impact, particularly you know in a game which has begun to settle down. Yeah, I, he's a he's a very hard player to pick up as well. Even kind of when he starts, so you can imagine if he comes on that uh, it takes opposition teams kind of a few minutes to to get used to him being on the pitch. Yeah. Mm. 
Or, or he plays in lots of different positions, doesn't he? So I guess he, I guess there's yeah. a problem as soon as he comes on. It's like, well, where, where is he playing? Is he playing in the middle midfield? Is he playing on the, you know, on, on, on or out wide fullback these days? You know, yeah. I guess he kind of has for the opposition to work out, isn't it? Yeah, and he does that thing where he gets the ball and just kind of like runs side to side with it, with a, like a line of players behind him, and just going, ah, oh, I'm, no, I'm not going to pass it yet. I'm not going to pass it yet. Now is the time to pass it, and it just like it, it seems to attract everybody towards him and get space elsewhere. I believe it's called Pausa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to play this as well because I, uh, when we talk about super subs, this this came into my mind um, uh, from a few years ago. This was well, a few years ago. It's nearly ten. Well, it's ten years ago now. It's Eddie Jacko uh, talking about uh, being a super sub. Before I came to City, I always uh, I used to play always from the beginning, and uh, I scored a lot of goals. Not not as a sub. In the last few games, a situation like this, and I I'm just happy that I'm scoring goals, but. Uh, I will never be superstar. I want to play. <laughs> I, uh, I the, the thing is, like, what I really like about it is that he, he he's making his point really passionately. Then he misspeaks at the end, and it just kind of undermines yeah. everything. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a super stub. Yeah, I like yeah. how he makes his point like subtly at first, and you can see he's getting that, and then he just <laughs> and then he just explicitly says what he was meant to say anyway, just to hammer it home. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's time to look ahead to the game with Crystal Palace and uh, Leipzig for City. Now, I'm going to bring in Crystal Palace fan and comedian Andre Vincent. Vinny, you've been good. Oh, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I'm enjoying football at the moment. I cannot, <laughs> I mean, it's just so good, isn't it? Those teams that you think are going to really struggle suddenly do really well against Dortmund. How did that happen? <laughs> and, and I'm sure you've been talking about it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, after a week of, we're back, we're back, we're back. <laughs> oh, we've won a cup, we're back. Oh, I was so happy. I mean, I don't like the Scousers at the best of times. But, oh, oh, I was dancing. I was dancing. It was funny because I was, when on Sunday, I was uh, I was like, I'd I, I take a draw because I don't really want Liverpool to get into the Champions League and I don't want United to catch City. But then as the goal started going in, I was quite happy with it. It oh, was all right. Oh, and and some of the stuff that's been said. I mean, it would have been worse if we'd lost three nil. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Please, if anything. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it must be difficult for you lot not to just want to rub it in. But oh, it's and it oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> anyway, we've not got we've not got you here to Bertie about about uh, about United. We, we want to know about Palace. So um, we're not. I'd I'd like to hear more from Vinny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, How many times have you spoken to me and I've said my team is run by a, a manager that is a 13-year-old playing FIFA? <laughs> it's pretty much every time oh, you're on, it, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's getting worse. It is embarrassing at Sellers Park. Yeah, but you're a thorn uh, in City's side. So, like, what bullshit's going to go down this weekend? That's what yeah, I want to Yeah, I know. Make. I know. Look, I can't I can't help it, you know. I, I, I still... Townsend's volley is still one of the things that, you know, I constantly get an erection about. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, we, we have those moments and we can do it. We do it to you. We do it to Liverpool. Just when it's needed, you know, we, we upset the apple cart. 
but I can't see us upsetting anything. We we have learnt that we like 12th place and we're going to stay there for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, nice and solid, nice and solid. Uh, we're Gaz... just hanging on. We, we've got that Aston Villa dream now of mid-table mediocrity. <laughs> Gaz, just in terms of, of City going to Palace, um, as I said, often often the thorn in City's side. Um, what can you do about it? Is, is there anything that, that it's just like, because I, I worry that it just gets into Guardiola's head. What can he do? I, I don't know. I suppose. I mean, I guess we've had these uh, bogey teams before, and I guess you just have to work through it, don't you? I don't see any other way than that. But they are probably a team that, like, um, it, it, in my in my head and in my in the esteem of City fans, are probably better than what the what the league table suggests. Yeah. yeah. Simon, do you feel like uh, Guardiola? Palace are one of those teams where Guardiola really respects them in like sort of in that that Guardiola way where he tells you like like you know Bournemouth are the best team at doing this or something like that. And then you you watch the game play out and you go, God, actually he was right about that. Yeah, yeah, and especially under Vieira, um, Guardiola's gonna gonna rate them. My my favourite Palace story uh, in recent years is when City paid for like free bus travel um down for fans because it you know the back in the day when like uh it being hard to get to and from games w- was actually a big thing rather than like every week um but because city were making a big thing about it they waited to have pictures taken um with somebody before the buses set off and the buses were then late and <laughs> palace were already two nil up by the time the fans arrived <laughs> so it's uh it hasn't always been a very happy hunting ground yeah um, well it'll be a, it's a late kickoff and it so it'll be buses back i guess because there won't be any trains. yeah yeah exactly um so yeah well let's hope they're not two nil down <laughs> yeah <laughs> as well that. Yeah, Vinny, oh. it's, uh, I was looking at your record. Um, it's seven without a win at home at the moment, but yep. five five draws. Um, five draws. Like, what's what's Sellers like for you to like? What, what what's going on there at the minute? We we have. I think we've got a cracking defence. I've got to say. I'm. I mean, you know, it. You 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 look at them and and they just they just bubble. They really are great. Um, but it's as I've always said for the last you know three, three seasons. Ever since we signed, you know, Benteke, you were talking to me. We've never had anyone up front. We can't do anything. We've got nothing there. And it just it just worries me that we, you know, that they can't look at it. And again, you know, we have a transfer window. We buy two more midfields. We've got so much midfield. It's incredible. The speed of them are fantastic. Um, but, you know, you've got Alese running. You've got Zaha running. You've got Eze running. But it's just really, really sad. Yeah, are you in? Like, do you feel like you might be in relegation trouble? Like five points above uh, yeah, the bottom I mean, three, but in twelve. Yeah, yeah. It's it's only what is it six points? I yeah. mean, it, it just takes a couple of games. I mean, you know, a turnaround. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's what being a Palace fan is. At the beginning of every season, you're always thinking this could be it. Um, you, you know, I mean, Sky have actually done it. Oh, was it Sky or uh, Amazon did an actual decent series? about the, the flight of the Eagles actually getting up. Um, it, it's it, it's something that part of being a Palace fan is yeah. you're always thinking, looking over your shoulder, going, well, we'll be back in the championship. Um, and, you know, we're too busy looking at trying to buy a, a, a new part of the stadium as opposed to buying a striker. You can listen to the show ad-free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. 
Gaz, we uh, we talked about Bernardo and uh, and De Bruyne earlier on in the show. Um, would you would you dare drop De Bruyne for this one? Is it is it the sort of game where where a bit of magic from him, no matter how out of form he is, could be the difference, or is it one of those where you actually want the control that Bernardo might bring? Um, I suppose. Um... I suppose there's a residual issue, isn't there, with away form in general, which he's not he's not figured out how to deal with. Um, probably is a game for Bernardo, yeah, particularly given how he came on uh, and, and made the difference um, against um, uh, Newcastle at weekend. So, yeah, um, why, why not? Again, it, it seems that De Bruyne could probably do with a bit of a rest. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be out. Uh, I wouldn't be. I would be in favour of that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Simon. The other, the, just on the other kind of uh, positions up top, um, uh, it feels like his settled front three at the minute is Haaland, Foden, and, uh, and and Grealish. Is that again what you'd expect? Uh, maybe, but I mean, as you've said, Mares hasn't done a lot wrong to get out the team. Um, I mean, Mares has, has generally been kind of like Mister Champions League for City. Um, but if, but maybe for Leipzig um, then. Yeah, but but if you know he has gone with Grealish, Foden. And Haaland quite a bit recently, so maybe if that's his preferred three for for Leipzig, then Mares will come in for for one of Foden and Grealish um, for Palace. Mar- Mares screams Palace as well. You've got to put that up front because we are such star shaggers down at Celtic. <laughs> they will go, oh look at them, Hagar the horribles up front. Oh, we're so happy, really. It, it, you, you'll easily win with that and, and there won't be that much noise from Holmesdale in because they'll just be impressed by seeing them on our pitch. Yeah, what was uh, what what was that uh, that moment like in the in the first game, Vinny, where uh, you realised that Harlem was just going to go, no, I am winning this game? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, it was just, just when he just makes those little breaks and just pushes off, just pushed off Gaye just like, no, <laughs> not, haven't you? Yeah, oh, you think you're going to, no, go away. It was, and it was such a sort of slight push as well, and he went flying. <laughs> it was, it was like a real, a real sort of like slight Queenie Barbara. Get out of it! Yeah, yeah, he's a cracker, isn't he? Man, man. One day, given the game the week after, if it's actually Haaland, they might get a rest in, in favour of Alvarez um, because you know, he's he's not. It's not been exactly at, right, right on top. I wonder if it's if if you're sort of looking at it dispassionately, you know, he's he's the body who could probably do with a break. Yeah, I don't know. How would you feel, Vinny, if you saw uh, World Cup winner Alvarez lining up instead of Erling Haaland? <laughs> oh, they they will they'll be really upset at the Palace <laughs> if Hager doesn't come on. They'll just be like, "No, we've been looking forward to the Viking." <laughs> and, oh. The Saxons will just put down their axes. They won't be happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's the mood around uh, Vieira right now? Because I mean, I've talked to you for several years about different managers that you've had at Sellers, and like <laughs> Vieira started really well, but I'm I'm worried that you know having not won since uh, the turn of the year, it, it could start to turn sour. But it's like we we knew he was going to stall simply because management are going to say you know they're always saying this is who we want you to buy, this is what you've got to look at. We can't afford that. And as soon as, you know, we knew he wasn't looking at strikers, it was like, well, where, where, where can he go? And he, even he was moaning about it. Well, me, you know, my hands are tied. They won't let me buy what I want to buy. And it's so difficult. I think when, when the manager's told that, I mean, all those years ago, you know, why we lost Pulis? Because exactly that. They were so busy being a, being a sort of like a board that has so much to say. Because it's this amalgamation of, of of businesses that have bought Palace, and so many people chip in, 
it, it's so difficult for I think a manager to actually start a structure and create. And that's why I've always seen, I said it's like a, a kid playing FIFA. Yeah, it's big names and and you know people that were stars at Palace fucking decades ago. Yeah, um, Gaz for for City. Um, in terms of we talked earlier on about the style of defending and you know the difficulties with having the defending defenders and uh, and ball playing defenders. Where, where's the balance for this one? Because City finds Sellers a tough place to go. You know you'd expect the the crowd to be up and the, the, the to be pressure on. Um, but it kind of, like we said, it kind of hampers City if they don't have the the Laporte or Stones to to break the lines. Yeah, I think probably the, the choice in defence will probably be more given, like you said, all, all, all the talent for Palace is out wide to have the proper, def- you know, the, the, the more defender defenders out in uh, in fallback positions. So yeah, uh, the, other, the other two take your pick, I suppose. But I think it'll, it's not it's not a game for Rico. Let's put it that way. Yeah, Simon, will a will a Champions League game on Tuesday change his thinking at all? Um, like at, at the back four, just because of of how key that Leipzig game is. Um, I think it could, but at the same time, um, you know, they have had a week off, and it's kind of a nice, a nice real time for for the managers to say, look, if you want to win every title, play two games in three days for me. Yeah. Well, what, what was what was his days. line? Uh, we are tired. Fuck off. Was that his line? Uh, we are. You are tired. Fuck you. Yeah, well, that was it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So you know, I'd kind of think seven or eight would be would be the same. Um, and yeah, it will just ask him to to go all in at Palace and go all in at um, against Leipzig, and then they've got kind of three days and then they've got an FA Cup game against a, a championship team wh- where he can he can make more changes. Yeah, if only there wasn't a massive story around that game, that might, <laughs> uh, that, that might distract, you know. <laughs> but here we are. Uh, Vinny, if, uh, if, if you are likely, if you are going to uh, break your um, drawing and losing run at home, who are the players that are likely to do it for you? Um, I, I think, I mean, for me, it will be, if we have that moment, it will be a break. It will be young SA come, come on after 70 minutes, be the wonder sub that he is and uh, create something. Um, you know, but I can't see there being anything creative myself. Um, we're just not, not strong enough. Um, so uh, who are they, these new two midfielders that he's using? I've not really seen any magic from them at all that he's promised. Um, so, yeah, it's it's... It's not good. It's not good. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting you to either absolutely plough all over us, or, or the boys put up the bus and it's a nil-nil draw. You know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel horrible saying this, uh, but you, the way you're speaking and the way having seen your results, it kind of reminds me of Stuart Pearce's season, final season at City, where there was absolutely no creativity, no reason to go there every week, and yet somehow we still turn up hoping for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, roll on the uh, the inevitable home win this weekend. Then um, <laughs> charity bet time. Uh, the total on the charity bets now seven hundred and five pounds for this season after Adam Carter's correct two nil prediction on last week's show. So helping the Man City fans food bank support group who are collecting for Manchester Central Food Bank. William Hill gives each of us a ten pound correct score single on City's games. Uh, so let's start with that Palace game. Uh, Vinny, what are you having for this one? I've got to go two nil your boys. I think. Uh, two nil is eleven to two and uh, fifty five pounds if you are right. Gaz, what are you having? Uh, three nil. 
Three nil is eight to one and uh, eighty pounds if you're right. Uh, Simon, I feel bad now knowing full well that I've asked you to change your predictions so much over the course of this week. What did you go for in the end? Um, I've gone for four one, having been told that I could have neither two nil or three nil. Yes, there yeah, we go. We but four uh, <laughs> uh, one. <laughs> well, wait for this, Vinny, because uh, if you do, if it finishes four one and you do score that goal, it's twenty to one, two hundred pounds. I think that's the. I, I think it's your goal that's bumping the odds up on that one. We're, we're all yeah. hoping for that scoreline. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll quickly run through the Leipzig game as well. Um, I've gone for a City two 0 win, which is seven to one and seventy pounds. Uh, Simon, what are you mean? Two one. Two one City is uh, eight to one and eighty pounds. Gaz, three one. 3-1 City is 11-1 to 1 and £110 if you're right. Remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more on gambling responsibly, take a look at BeGambleAware.org. Uh, Vinny, it's been a pleasure. I uh, I love chatting I, to you about you. Palace. <laughs> oh, come back next season. Where, well, you probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might we might both be in the championship, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe there was actually dreams of Europe by our fans at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always remember there was a there was a city thing in four four two years and years ago about the back to back promotions in uh, in ninety nine and two thousand, and there was the, whoever had written it had done a perfect job of summing up the situation where they talked about the the summer of August two thousand where they said uh, city signed uh, Paolo Wanchop, they brought in former World Player of the Year uh, George Ware. Even the manager was talking of a top six finish. And then the next paragraph just started, City were relegated again. <laughs> uh, Vinny, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Mike. See you later, Bob. Now then, every now and then, a video will emerge of teams from up and down the football pyramid playing out from the back, and people joke about Guardiola's influence on the game. City have been doing something slightly different with their play from defence since a slight tweak in the laws of the game in 2019. Previously at goal kicks, the ball used to have to leave the penalty area, but now that it doesn't, we often see an outfield player passing it short to Edison. I've been speaking to TIFO Football's John McKenzie to find out what advantage that little manoeuvre gives the team. Yeah, this is something that I get asked about a lot because it doesn't seem to be a huge amount of benefit for any team either way right if you're playing a pass often about two or three feet sideways um, and ending up with the ball at the feet of a player who you'd expect to be worse on the ball anyway Um, but I think to explain this best is it's best to think about what the opposition are doing in those situations so if you're a goalkeeper and you're uh, you're going to try and build up from the back you're going to try and find one of your setbacks with the ball from a from a goal kick you're either going to pass the ball right or left because usually the the two centre backs who are going to be in the first phase of build up are going to be on your right or your left, and if you do that, then what you're doing is essentially handing the initiative to the opposition press because if they're going to press really high, they know exactly which side of the of the pitch you're um, going to be going through with your build up. Um, a lot of teams when they press high, what they try and do is they try and split the pitch in half, force the ball onto one side, and then use that as a as a smaller area to then engage in a, an aggressive man-to-man press um, and so if the goalkeeper were to take the ball take the pass from the goal kick to the right you then know that you're going to be pressing towards uh, the opposition anyway are going to be pressing towards their their left hand side of the pitch so you're giving them the initiative in being able to do that and uh, vice versa with the other side as well but if you have your centre-back take it towards your goalkeeper you're now in a neutral situation so the goalkeeper can still go right or left in the build-up and it means that you're in a situation where you're actually able to control the opposition press a little bit more, you're able to stop them from taking that initiative from the first pass. It just gives you a little bit more um, scope as well to go either way in your build-up. And in theory, it should make it easier for you to actually move the ball down the field. 
Yeah, I mean, just in in terms of of the law change, because the law changed in about 2019, I think, if that was uh, mm-hmm. when when the ball no longer had to leave the penalty area. Um, it, it feels like such a minor change to the laws, but actually, is it has it changed quite significantly the way teams like City or or I mean, for example, Liverpool do as well with with Allison. Yeah, I think so. I think when we talk about build-up, we talk about two phases of play. One of them is is unsettled possession and one is settled possession. And unsettled possession is obviously when you are are trying to possess the ball, but you feel as though um, the opposition is still able to get the ball from you quite easily um, and you would hope to move from that first pass from the, the goal kick into a phase where the opposition then drops back if they're going to press high gives you a little bit more space and time on the ball so that we'd, we would call that a settled possession and obviously like mo- the, the change in the rules that you're talking about meant that we went from a, f- a phase where unsettled possession was actually a lot more uh, of, up for grabs right if you're having to pass the ball outside of the penalty area you're having to make that first pass much um, more speculative it has to go a greater distance uh, and uh, oppositions can can press a, a little bit more easily in those things. So by making the, the rule change back in 2019 such that you have a certain amount of time where you can protect the ball before the opposition can arrive at you because no one in the opposition side is able to go into the box before the ball is kicked... It, it moves you into a phase where it's actually much easier to get into settled possession than you were before. So I think that's probably encouraged a lot of teams to to actually experiment with build-up because you, you're not having to be quite as much of a gamble moving from, from a, um, a, an unsettled phase and, and you're more likely to reach a settled phase in those moments. So I definitely think there's been a, a long-term knock-on there. And like you say, these things seem so simple at the time like the, the the back pass rule as well is a great example of that. I was just thinking the, exactly that, yeah. Yeah, the, the offside rule as well has changed in different ways and th- these things always seem so innocuous but then if you if you were to go back before that rule was made and look at the way that football was being played, it's just completely different. So yeah, another example of a, a rule change which actually has a, a really big knock-on to the, the sport in general. Yeah, I always used to find it odd that um, in the old setup of the laws, that um, obviously if a defender touched the ball in the penalty area before it had left the, the penalty area for a goal kick, it was a retaken goal kick. Mm-hmm. And I always found it odd that teams would accept the pressure of opposition pressing them instead of just going, actually, I'm under too much pressure. I'm just going to touch it inside the penalty area yeah. and make them retake it. It just it, it seems like one of those really progressive moves that that it's that, that actually it's like you say it's 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 helping other teams kind of set up and, and, and play from the back in a way that, uh, that that they probably just wouldn't have done before. And I mean, in, in many ways with City as well, you, you, when City have possession at the back in open play, they're quite happy to have it inside their own penalty area and quite happy to be pressed inside the penalty area because it does open up that space a bit further up. So this is, I guess, just another kind of facet to that, is it? Yeah, I think so. The, the, the most interesting thing I think I've picked up on this season with City's build-up from from goal kicks is that they've 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 moved from that um, the, the you know the, the sort of standard Arsenal setup that they have now, where you build up with a flat back four and one of your fullbacks inverts. And one of the things that seems to have happened this season with City is they don't even bother with that inverting phase now. You just you play with either Rico Lewis or, or Bernardo Silva as one of the pivots next to Rodri and um, they drop out in the defensive phase. But in that initial phase of build-up, you have this this really cutesy setup where uh, the centre-centre-back just stands right next to the goalkeeper and then you have the other two centre-backs really, really wide uh, and you're getting all of the width there. Now, it helps if you have a, a, a goalkeeper like Edison who 
is uh, essentially like an outfield player, right? So you're still playing with a back four effectively, um, and it, it gives you advantages further up the field as well. But that's the thing that's really stuck st- stuck out for me this season watching City play is, is them having obviously the inverted fullback this season using that structure and then actually not even bothering to invert the, the fullback and just keep them as a central midfielder who drops out in defensive phases. Yeah, the uh, it's it, it's wild to me that um, Guardiola's taken the the uh, the centre back taking goal kicks from Sunday League uh, because that's you know I I, <laughs> I grew up with with uh, with centre halves taking my goal kicks for me because I couldn't get it out the penalty area so uh, so there, <laughs> there we go. Um, I, I mean the the final thing, uh, John, is um, are we seeing teams take fewer long goal kicks these days just on the basis of. Like for for teams like City, they want possession of the ball, and as soon as you put it up in the air in, in a long distance, it becomes a percentage ball. You've got to go and win it. Um, because the, the thing that I really want to see, and I, and I I don't know if this is just too route one and basic of me, but Edison's got a kick longer than anybody else in the Premier League. You can't be offside from a goal kick, and you've, City have got Haaland there now. So get a goal kick. Yeah, sure they can build up from the back sometimes, but stick Haaland on the opposition penalty spot and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think in the uh, the FA Cup game against Arsenal that was was what happened I, Arsenal went player for player across the field out of possession and they left Rob holding on on Holland on his on his own and yeah we saw Stefan Ortega just taking that that kick right over the top and see what we could do with it so there's definitely a time and a place for a, a, a long goal kick but as you say the, the the downside to that is that if you there are going to be games where certain teams are going to want to control the ball and if you play the ball long it makes it much harder for you to do that but um, for many teams the the threat of playing through an opposition high press is is enough that they'll just not even want to countenance that so they will will play the ball long but yeah interesting to see that there are scenarios where Man City as well are happy to play that ball over the top if if Arsenal are going to go player for player and they've got a really aggressive forward press why not just isolate your strongest player against the centre back and and see what you can do with them. Email the show through our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. That was TIFO Football's John McKenzie talking about goal kicks. Don't ever say that. We don't do the little details on the show. Uh, Going to finish with an audience question. Get in touch for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us as well through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, Simon J on Twitter says, uh, will the backlash to Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville in Sunday's Liverpool versus United game lead to better and more impartial TV coverage of City's games? They both wear their colours on their sleeves and yet City-orientated pundits like Micah Richards tone down their association to the club. Um what do you reckon to this? I, well, I, I, I thought that as well. Wow, I'd like to see him if he like ramped it up a bit. You know, got a bit more <laughs> but it, but it's it's funny because there's you know there's United fans who say Neville is impartial and there's Liverpool fans who say Carragher is impartial. So it does yeah. make you think. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Gaz, what what do you make of it in in terms of uh, club related pundits? I guess on um, on on coverage because uh, the backlash is always that that Carragher and Neville get City's games, but ultimately yeah. they just they just get the big games. It 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 does it, it's starting to do the editing, to say the truth. I think um, <laughs> the, the the thing is, I think Neville and Carragher are actually really good pundits, uh, and you can see that when they have like a you know a, a good you know dedicated sort of um, clear-headed amount of time to talk about it. You know, MNF, you know, the, the show after a Monday night football game is really good and they go into lots of detail. 
the problem is, is when, like, say, when they're just when they're sort of commentating on their own teams because they, they like they, they sort of get inserted into the narrative of the game themselves. You know, what will he say about this? What will he say about that? And it's just really, really annoying. And like, um, I think the the problem is particularly with like take Neville for example. I mean, like you say, you'll have you'll have United fans that will say, oh, he's he's, he's you know he's, he's trying too hard to be balanced, but he they only ever sees the game through the the sort of prism of. Of United, so they're, they're they're playing well or they're playing badly. The other team doesn't really get any sort of regard, do they? Um, so yeah, that, that 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 that's kind of the issue. I think I think we need to sort of just move on again from it. There was obviously like a big revolution when um, Gray and um, Keys sort of we, we were sort of forced to move on from that, and I think it's probably time again, really, or at least like you say, at the very least, just stop content on clubs. Yeah, Simon, is it is it difficult for City in that there's probably nobody other than Micah Richards around that has the the sort of stature that you'd want for a co-commentator for City? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, I feel like Neda Manure is one of the best uh, pundits around, but you're right, he doesn't kind of have that that clout um, or high profile that that some of the others do. Um, it, it's just a really difficult thing. I mean, you know, when I, um, I watched the overlap after City's Premier League charges and, you know, Carragher seemed to be asking really uninformed questions and had really uninformed opinions like, you know, why don't they just publish everything if they're innocent, um, which is like utterly stupid. But then mm. probably spoke for like what a, a lot of people were asking. So, you know, in that sense, like the having that kind of coming at it from a non, not just a non-City angle, but an angle of of other clubs, like there is merit in it. Um, I I don't like the the fan cam press box stuff. And, you know, it is a shame um, that, you know, for, for online media as well, like it's almost more important to see what Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher have said than you know, the people who you employ. Um, but it's kind of just, a, a, you know, a, a sign of how how big they've become. But I think I think they get a lot of positive reinforcement, don't they, on social media for this kind of stuff. You know, people saying, oh, lol, look at what, you know, Graham Sooners have yeah. to say and stuff. But I think a lot of people watching at home probably just find it a bit unedifying, really. And, you know, it's not as if anyone can watch it anywhere else. You can't, you can't compare... Sky's coverage to somebody else. You, you, at the end of the day, it's, it's it's one of the biggest matches of the season, and that's where you're going to watch it. And you'll only you'll only know if it's got better or not if, if if you sort of change it or move away from it. I think the best example is like when I remember I distinctly remember when Keys and Gray got moved on. There was genuinely like, well, oh gosh, what what can we do? You know, these these <laughs> these people are so like you know synonymous with it, and then they realise, oh, hang on, actually, it can get a lot better if you just think about it. And actually, the way it, the way it got better is it stopped being so matey and actually started pitching it at a bit of a you know better level so just don't don't insult people's intelligence so much by thinking this is what people want just because you're getting a load of engagement off it it's just it's a, it's a different thing yeah what they ought to do is have a podcast that gets no engagement whatsoever it's all right well there you go <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah. i think i think as well just like they think you, you often hear like some city fans like you used to fears oh we need to get our own guy in there and you think well it's just not going to solve it is it i mean o- otherwise you're going to get like doing the same thing because the, it, you can't take exception to 
partial coverage and then say, well, we just need more partial coverage. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, yeah, we, we, we need our paper. partial yeah. coverage. Exactly. Um, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. But then, but then I think, you know, like BT kind of fall into the trap of like, well, we have got City coverage because we've got Steve McManaman. And yeah. you're like, yeah, yeah no. Like, no. I like it when you get like a Champions League night with City Legends, Steve McManaman and Owen Hargreaves on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> on the panel, yeah. Well, BT just resolve all this just by talking about referees for 99% of the time. Yeah. Don't they just ignore everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think there, I think there's another revolution coming, isn't there? There was one about 10 years ago. And you get the feeling that we're on the edge of another. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes uh, but for now that brings us to an end for this week's Blue Moon Podcast thank you very much for listening and thanks to my guest Simon Bykovsky thank you very much and to Gaz nice one we'll be back next week so I'll see you then take care that was the Blue Moon Podcast Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. Most of my family, most of my cousins and stuff are uh, are United fans. So I've had it all my life. And they all absolutely loved that banner. They thought it was so funny that there was a banner up in the Stratford End with that little ticker. They kind of had the Ferguson belief that, you know, not in their lifetime would they ever see City reach success. So that banner coming down was wonderful for me personally. It's such a snide thing to do, such an absolute arrogant United thing to do. And a few years ago, it was the Centurion season actually, when City were doing so unbelievably well, one of my mates who was in the pub with United had lost. And one of my mates asked me, did I not feel any sympathy at all? The United's kind of played. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed in his face. I was like, man, no. I was like, no, I don't. And I never, ever, 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 ever will. Like, yeah. you've had a banner. You deserve up in, this. Yeah. yeah. You had a banner up in the Stratford End about City's barren years. And it was always the arrogance of the fact that it was like, it was quite clever to give them their dues, the dickheads. Like, but it wasn't just celebrating the fact that we had barren years. It was celebrating the fact that there would be another barren year next year. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. And join us again next time for another episode. <laughs>